The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ sets Christianity apart from every other religion on the planet. Commentator Michael Green says of the resurrection, Is it possible? Dead people just don't rise from the grave. He says, Is it true? And he points us to consider the things that are in Matthew 28. Now, our sermon today is going to be in Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15. But even if you look in the uh, earlier part of the chapter through the end of the chapter, just in that one chapter, you see points to the resurrection as being true. Just real quick, what Michael Green says, the female witnesses in verses 1 through 10 that we talked about last week, the empty tomb in verses 2 through 6, the resurrection appearance in verse 9 and then verse 16 through 20, the transformed lives, these people People were not the same. They went from being timid to being bold. That's in verses 8 and 9 and verse 17 as well. The fulfilled predictions in verse 6. The world mission that they uh, undertook as a result of Jesus' commission of them in verses 18 through 20. And of course then, what we're going to talk about today, the cover-up. If it wasn't real, why would the Jewish authorities want to cover it up? So, yeah. It is possible, but the question is, does it matter? Does the resurrection matter? Absolutely it matters. It's the heart of the good news. It's proof of Jesus' sonship. It's a springboard for missions. It's the power and presence of Christ available to us. It's the key to eternal life for Christians. The resurrection makes all the difference. So this week we're going to consider why the resurrection of Jesus is so dangerous. Why is the resurrection of Jesus dangerous? And if you didn't uh, get your bulletin already, which you would have received via email, um, I'll instruct you to join us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. Matthew chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. We'll get there in a moment and read that. But before we do, let's talk about and read together our scripture memory verse of the month. And it's from next week's sermon, but it applies today as well. Because they, in that day and time, as we, in this day and time, should clearly see Jesus as the prophesied Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, just as the Bible said. So I don't have it memorized yet, so I'm going to look down here. Our May scripture is Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 26. Luke 24, 25 through 26. And let's say that together. He said to them, how foolish you are, these things, and then enter his glory. Prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Luke 24, verse 25 through 26. So to our key passage of Scripture today, just a short passage that we'll use as a springboard into a larger consideration of the resurrection. I'm reading from my NIV, Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Let's pray together. God, our Father, as we see this story in Scripture, 
We can understand why the Jewish leaders did it, but we pray beyond a simple understanding of covering this up that you would speak to us to give us a deeper understanding of how the resurrection matters in our life and what it means for us and those we would talk to. We thank you, Father, for the presence of your Holy Spirit that will teach us now through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we've got two major sections in your sermon today. And the first one deals with this scripture passage and the second one deals with what the resurrection means and why it matters. And the first part here answers the question, what trouble did Jesus' bodily resurrection cause? That's your first point on your outline. What trouble did Jesus' bodily resurrection cause? And um, the verse 11 there The blanks are victory versus defeat. Victory versus defeat. Here's why I said that. While the women were on their way, so the women had come, and they saw that Jesus was resurrected. He was not there. The angels had spoke to them, and they left to go tell the disciples. So this would be actually before the incident with Mary Magdalene. I should have put those in opposite order, but you'll forgive me for that. That incident that I preached about last week. They went on their way to tell the disciples. So at the same time, some guards go into the city because remember the tomb is outside the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened so victory the women Jesus is resurrected defeat the soldiers we don't know what happened to him we could get killed for this that's what I mean by victory versus defeat and it says there everything that had happened Now, we gather from the rest of the scripture here and elsewhere that the soldiers did not actually see Jesus rise. The soldiers did not actually see the angels. It doesn't say they did. It probably would. But the fact that there was an earthquake and that there was an empty tomb and they had no explanation for it. And these are the things then that they're going to report to the chief priest who involved the elders. And the chief priests and the elders are basically the power structure and authority of the Jewish people at that day and time. And those were the ones that wanted Jesus crucified. Let's go on in your outline. In your outline, the second point there is hush money to keep control. Hush money to keep control. You see that in verse 12 and in verse 14. Verse 12, it says, When the chief priests met with the elders, so the power structure, and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money. Now, the word large means large. It means big, a lot. We don't know exactly how much, but they gave them a large sum of money. And notice what it says if you skip down to verse 14. They, in their conversation with the soldiers, said, if this report gets to the governor, Pilate, we will satisfy him, wink, wink, and keep you out of trouble. What do you think that means? It means exactly what you think it means, and that's why I used our colloquial term, hush money. In order to keep control of this, in order to keep this from getting out, they devise a lie, and then they pay off the soldiers, and they say they're going to pay off the governor, too, if they need to. Isn't that amazing? These men who bought off Judas with 30 pieces of silver are now continuing and escalating in their sinfulness to try to oppress the truth of Jesus' resurrection. D.A. Carson, a New Testament scholar, says that the hush money, this cover-up, is simply an apologetic 
for the stolen body theory. It's simply an apologetic for the stolen body theory that his disciples came and stole him away. But think about this, right? That if they had been stolen, well, we'll get there in our next point. That's your third point there, and that's lies to prove the truth. Lies to prove the truth. That's in verse 13 and verse 15. Verse 13, the chief priests and elders say to the soldiers that they've bribed with this money, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we are asleep. Remember what we said a few weeks ago? That if they had fallen asleep, it was punishable by death. Just as uh, the guards in the uh, um, you know, prison at Caesarea uh, allowed Paul and Silas to break out at night, they could be killed themselves. Uh, that was just the way that the job of a soldier or a prison guard worked in those day and time. I don't know how they could get guys to do those sort of jobs, given that that was the penalty, but they did. Anyhow, you're to say his disciples came and stole him away. Huh. The instinctive concern of the chief priest and the elders is what the people would hear or believe. They were controlling the message, right? They were all about the optics, using our uh, modern terminology. What people would think, what people would see, what their perception would be, how they could spin this thing. And you think these sort of things like we see on various cable news networks uh, are new today. This has been going on since Jesus rose from the grave. And even before that, because it's human nature. So you're to say that his disciples came in the middle of the night and stole him away while we were asleep. Well, this is difficult to believe, right? Because that would be tantamount to the soldiers saying, kill me, or I'm ready to kill myself. Because if they were, uh, if Jesus' body was stolen while they were asleep, it would be a death sentence for them. And if they weren't asleep, think about this. How, how did that go, Right. Well, these guys came and stole him, and we're a whole you know, squad of trained Roman soldiers, but those disciples were really tough, or they snuck up, and they rolled the stone away, and we didn't even hear it. I mean, this sounds like a Scooby-Doo mystery type thing, right? And Shaggy Rooks, I, I, give me a break, guys. They're telling lies to cover the truth. The fact that the leaders have to tell a lie about this verifies what Scripture says happened did happen. Besides, in those day and times, molesting graves would be a death penalty in and of itself. So it's not like anybody else would come and do it. They'd been caught by the soldiers. They'd have been put to death. And then you think about the other option. Did it happen as the uh, chief priests and elders want them to say it happened, that the disciples came and stole him away? The disciples were fearful. The disciples were timid. The disciples were hiding out. It was the fact that they, once they saw Jesus, they were so encouraged and became so bold that made a difference. But they hadn't seen Jesus yet. Mary Magdalene hadn't even seen Jesus yet. And the men who would have done the stealing certainly hadn't have. So this lie proves the truth. Look at verse 15 there. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. It's an interesting coincidence that the Greek word for instructed there, didasko, is exactly the same word of Jesus' teaching. They followed the teaching, the lying, sinful teaching of the chief priests and elders. When people who should be telling the truth 
for making a business and lies. You know things are upside down and backwards, aren't you? But that's exactly what's happening here. And notice what it says to conclude verse 15. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Matthew was written decades after this happened. And it was still a story that was out there. Another commentator, R.T. France, says this, The priest must resort to lies. Uh, that the priest must resort to lying points to one thing. The empty tomb was a reality. That Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. How cool is that? So you've got a question there to summarize that first point. And that's how do people react to Jesus' resurrection today? When you're talking with people that are not believers in Jesus, and it may be that, you know, they were raised in a different religion. It may be that they were raised uh, in a Christian nation, yet they're skeptical for whatever reasons of science or their own beliefs, or they may even be an atheist of such or an agnostic. Therefore, they don't want to accept the resurrection. How is it that you have seen that people have reacted to this sort of story? When you say to them, hey, our church puts on this play at Easter time. You ought to come see me. It's called this day of resurrection. Do you get any sneers? Do you get any, oh, that can't be true? Well, I guess the spectrum could be all the way across the gamut, even here in America today, where people would react with everything from disbelief to believing it, therefore trying to cover it up, or like us, we believe it and we accept it as truth. And anywhere in between, the Bible tells us that we should always have an answer ready to defend, to explain the truth to anyone who wants to know. So for us to consider something like this in a sermon, that's why I'm asking us to take this next step. You notice very quickly I summarized our key text and I'm moving us to this application point. And that's your second major point on your outline today. And that second major point is why is Jesus' bodily resurrection so dangerous? Why is Jesus' bodily resurrection so dangerous? And here I borrow something that I got from Rick Warren years ago, and he said, you can take it, borrow it, and I've adapted it a little. I've even used it as a gospel presentation at the end of our Easter pageant. And that's these two major points, that to make a difference, something must have meaning, and to make a difference, something must matter. In the bodily resurrection of Jesus, we celebrate at Easter, we find both. We serve a risen Savior. As a living, risen Savior, Jesus has overcome both death and hell. And overcoming death and hell, Jesus offers us a free gift of eternal life and salvation. In offering salvation to us, Jesus pursues a personal love relationship with us. And the resurrection of Jesus proves to us that that personal love and relationship is eternal and abundant, and it makes all the difference in our life. So we need to consider... Three things that the resurrection means and three things that makes the resurrection matter. So let's talk about the meaning. Three things that the resurrection means. The first one there is that Jesus is who he claims to be. Jesus is who he claims to be and that references John fourteen six. In John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the way 
and the truth and the life. And he goes on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is talking about his ex. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, a truth, or a life, but absolute, positive, exclusive. The only way to God. The only truth there is. The only eternal life. That's who Jesus says he is. Another scripture there is John eleven twenty five, When Jesus comes back after Lazarus, his friend, has died, and he's talking to Mary, the sister of Lazarus, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus proved who he said he is by doing what he said he would do. One thing to say it is another thing to do it, right? So we establish a relationship with God through Jesus because he's his son. He's the resurrection and he's the life. He's exactly who he claimed to be. So why would the Jewish leaders seek to cover up the bodily resurrection of Jesus in our text today? Because it shows Jesus is exactly who he said he was, the Son of God. Bold in his preaching, unprecedented in his miraculous power, they didn't know what to do with him other than try to crucify him. And then when he did what he said he was going to do, raised from the grave, they had to cover that up somehow too. So your first point there is Jesus is who he claims to be. The second thing that the resurrection means is that Jesus has the power he claims to have. Jesus has the power he claims to have. And we reference there Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, which is just down the page probably here for you. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And all means all, right? Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. He said, uh, in John ten eighteen, I have the authority to lay it down. Jesus laid down his life to pay the price for our sins, and he rose victorious three days later to demonstrate his power over death and hell. Whether the chief priest and elders were concerned with that demonstration of Jesus' supernatural power, miraculous over the grave, we can't say. Whether the chief priests and elders were concerned with Jesus' demonstration of spiritual power, actual divine authority in his teaching, we cannot say. But what we can say is that the chief priests and elders were completely concerned Matter of fact, completely consumed with the threat of Jesus against their power. And it was Jesus' power and threat against their power, religious, organizational, uh, authoritarian, their national power, and the way they controlled the nation of Israel at that time, that that is a primary reason they sought to crucify Jesus and to cover up his resurrection. The resurrection means Jesus is who he claimed to be, And resurrection means Jesus has the power he claimed to have. The third thing the resurrection means is that Jesus does what he promises to do. Jesus does what he promises to do. And we reference Matthew 28, 6. In Matthew 28, 6 there, the the angel says to the women, he's not here, he's risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. You might also look at Luke chapter 18, verse 33. That it was said of Jesus on the third day, he will rise again. 
Think back to John chapter 2 and verse 19 where he said, uh, you'll destroy this, tear this temple down and on the third day I'll build it up again. And they got mad at him and said, hey, this temple took 40 years to build. How do you think that you can? They didn't understand. But it says in John two nineteen that later the disciples knew what he was talking about. You think about in Matthew seventeen thirteen, Jesus said that I will be crucified and on the third day I'll rise again. And then his disciples knew what he meant. It says in Matthew seventeen twenty three, Jesus does what he promises to do. The resurrection proves that. He is who he says he is. He has the power to do um, what he, that he claims to have and he'll do what he says he's going to do. Not just in the New Testament, not just a long time ago, way back then, treating the Bible as if it's some fable, but personally, in your life and my life, even amidst COVID-19 in 2020, Jesus still is who he says. He still has the power he claims, and he still will do what he promises to do. That's why we need to be in His Word every day, reading it on our own, memorizing it, studying it, meditating on it, praying over it, that we might know His promises and we might be filled with His power so that no matter what COVID-19 or anything else throws our way, that we're walking with Jesus in a personal love relationship that He died in order to offer to you and I. So, that tells us about what the resurrection means. Let's get to that second major part here, and that's why the resurrection matters. The resurrection matters because, and you've got three subpoints here, the resurrection matters because first there, my past can be forgiven. My past can be forgiven. Romans 5.8 said that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter what we've done, God will forgive us through Jesus. Remember last week when I said, No matter, no matter, no matter, no matter, no matter. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's been done to you, Jesus will forgive you. He loves you. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now that's 1 John 1, 9. That's written to believers in Jesus. But that same applies as scripture teaches us that no matter who you are, no matter what sin you may have committed, that if you will ask Jesus to forgive you, he will. The better thing you should ask Jesus, though, is to save you, to save you from your sins, that you might be converted from a sinner to a follower of Jesus, and your life might be eternally changed. And maybe today you'll decide to do that. And if you do, email me, Aaron, at southviewbaptist.org, and let me know that. We're praying for you, that even today you'll believe this message about who Jesus is and God's love relationship with you and how he's pursued you through Jesus. So the first reason the resurrection matters is that my past can be forgiven. The second reason the resurrection matters is that my present problems can be handled. My present problems can be handled. That's in uh, Philippians 4.13. It says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, all means all. Think about your problems also there in Philippians 4, verse 19. Write that down, Philippians 4, 19. It says, my God will supply all your needs. Maybe not all your wants, but everything 
everything you need, God is going to provide. How's he going to do that? Well, write down Ephesians 1.19. And that's according to his incomparably, incomparable great power. That God has that power that's demonstrated itself in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that shows us that God has all the power he needs to handle any problem we might face. Christ followers have supernatural power. Yet so many times, unfortunately, like I wrote about on my blog this week, you can see that, AaronHouseholder.net, if you want to. It's our lack of faith that limits the exercise of God's power in our life. Because we don't think God can, or we don't think God will, He doesn't. But when we extend faith to Him and we say, God, here's a situation only you can change. God, here's something in me only you can change. Then we open ourselves to God's power and He can do supernatural, amazing things in us. Christ's followers have supernatural power available to them to handle any situation they might face if they'll only invite God to exercise that power. So the resurrection matters because my past can be forgiven, my present can be handled. The third point there, my future can be secure. My future can be secure. That's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, in his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's Jesus' bodily resurrection from the dead that guarantees us a future in heaven. That's forever, without sin, without problems, without tears, without anything that's wrong with this earth in heaven. We can't even imagine it because it's so unimaginable. John 17, 3, Jesus says, now this is eternal life, that they may know me in a personal relationship with Jesus that you start here on earth you get a little taste of what heaven is like when you experience the Holy Spirit within you that Jesus gives you as a guarantee a deposit of eternal life you get a little taste of what heaven is like when you walk closely with him in a love relationship you get a little taste of what heaven is like when you fellowship with brothers and sisters in uh, the church you get a little taste of what heaven is like when you read the Bible and the Holy Spirit makes scripture come alive to you you get a little taste of what heaven is like and all these things are promises of what is to come that my future is secure because the one who holds it God our father because of Christ's resurrection from the dead is sovereign and powerful that we have no fear we have no worry Jesus changes the eternity for those who put their faith in him Again, maybe that needs to be you today. And if it is you today, we can celebrate that. You've got a final application question for all of us there. And that asks, how have I responded to Jesus' resurrection? How have I responded to Jesus' resurrection? Does your life look different? Does it look empowered? Do you identify or would people say, hey, that guy must be a Christ follower just because, you know, he acts different than other people. Hey, that gal over there, man, other people would have handled that mm, not so good. But the way she handled that, I wonder if she's a believer in Jesus. Nancy Lee DeMoss says, do we live as if Christ really rose from the dead? Is there evidence in our life that Jesus has risen and his resurrection has impacted our life? The resurrection of Jesus is the hinge point of Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus is the authentic foundation of Christianity. 
for the church, for our Sunday worship, for Christian colleges, seminaries, hospitals, charities, all those things, and the proclamation of gospel, uh, the gospel through missions and missionaries that go around the world to share the good news of Jesus with others. The resurrection is the foundation of all those things. Without the resurrection, Christianity would be like an empty shell. The resurrection makes us who we are as Christ followers. And that is why the resurrection is dangerous. And these men sought to cover it up. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word that from this story of these men trying to cover up the resurrection with Jesus with a lie that proves the truth and throughout scripture how you teach us about the resurrection and what it means we can see how it impacts our lives even in 2020 COVID America. So Father we pray that you would continue to strengthen us by your power as we seek to walk with you daily through our own personal Bible study and prayer and the other spiritual disciplines we carry out, that we would be filled with the Spirit and we would live a life that demonstrates the resurrection power of Jesus. Father, we also pray that if there's anyone listening to this message who's not yet a believer in Jesus, that they would make that decision today. Even if they don't have all their questions answered about how the resurrection happened or anything else from the scripture that might be on their mind, that they would take a step of faith to say that, yes, I do believe that Jesus is God's son and I believe he rose from the grave and I want him to save me from my sins. So God, thank you for your presence with us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, friends, thank you again for joining us. We're so glad that you've joined us for another week of Southview Worship Online. Remember, if there's anything you need, we've still got the I Can Help, I Need Help on our church website, homepage, southviewbaptist.org. Or if anyone you know needs something we can do, Go right there, fill that out, or just contact me directly, Aaron at southviewbaptist.org, or call the church office, 402-423-5062. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great Memorial Day. God bless you.